what were the angels worried about? And what does that tell us about us? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the Torah portion of Yisro, Parsha in which we have the Sane experience, the declaration of the Aseris Hadibros, usually translated as the Ten Commandments, and the presentation of Torah to us by God, which of course involves Moshe going up on Sinai, spending 40 days immersed in the heavenly learning environment, learning all the details and mastering Torah from God. But when Moshe arrives up in heaven, the Medrash tells us, actually recorded in the, in the Gemara in Shabbos, that the angels challenged, what is Yelud Isha, what is a mere mortal doing up here? He's coming to get the Torah, to take the Torah from heaven down to earth. The angels challenged, let your glory stay in heaven. Don't turn it over to man. God tells Moshe, respond to them. Moshe is at first scared to do so. God says, grasp my holy throne of glory. And once he does so, Moshe challenges the angels, is Torah relevant to you? Honor your father and mother. Do you have fathers and mothers? Can you be referring back to your Egypt experience and the uh, and the all elements and the mitzvahs related to having left Egypt? Torah doesn't connect with you. And ultimately, of course, Moshe wins. Torah is given over to Moshe, to Israel. And of course, we now have the great gift of Torah. But, Rabbi Elhiel uh, Lapian, in an essay in his work, Levi Eliyahu, raises the question, what was concerning the angels? After all, aside from the technical scroll of the Torah, and the text of the Torah that's being given over to Moshe, and even the much, much larger oral Torah, the knowledge of Torah given over to Moshe, all of that is one manifestation of Torah. But if we recall that Torah predates creation. Torah is described as the blueprint of creation. Torah is far more sublime than the data, than the details, the information that God gives over to Moshe. And in fact, the manifestation as we have it is one iteration, we could say, of Torah. It's Torah as presented to the world in which we live within the context of our reality. But if Torah predated that entire world, and there was a Torah, let's say the Torah that Avraham Avinu grasped. Abraham grasped the truths of the Torah, and he abided by the laws of the Torah. Well, did he grasp a Torah that included the parshas of Abraham doing what Abraham did in his lifetime? Did he, did he have a Torah that included within it that he was going to be told by God to bring his son up to the altar, but not actually to slaughter him? Did he know that in advance? Clearly not. So his Torah, the Torah that he was grasping, was something much, much more abstract, the inner truths of Torah, but not as it's manifest through the details of what ends up being written into the text of the Torah about Abraham himself. And, as he raises, when Moshe was up on Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, and he mastered the sum total of all of Torah, and then the tablets are broken, he goes back up to beg God that we not be destroyed due to the golden calf, and then God has him come and spend another 40 days and 40 nights doing what? Mastering the Torah. 
Well, he already mastered the Torah. He knew all of the Torah from the first 40 days and 40 nights. What he describes in this essay is the first 40 days and 40 nights were mastering a Torah to be given to Israel, who would have been entering the land of Israel with Moshe and ushering in what's the equivalent of the Messianic um, era, and a very different reality than the Torah given to the nation that failed and sinned with the golden calf and had to have the desert stay and enter the land of Israel and build a temple that would have the potential to be destroyed and have the potential for further exile. It was a different manifestation, a different iteration of Torah. As such, asks Lapian, ultimately, the angels could still have the absolute ultimate Torah, just that the various iterations and the technicalities that are given over to mankind, that leaves heaven and that's not relevant to them. They can't do those technical mitzvahs. But the Torah, the blueprint of creation, Torah that is the ultimate source of all of this technical Torah that gets provided to us, why couldn't that stay up in heaven with the angels? And he describes that in fact it was not their concern. It's not that someone's checking the book out of the library we no longer have the book. The angels don't operate needing that book, and they don't have to worry that they can't do the Tekel mitzvahs. But there was something much more profound that was happening over here. And that was that with the fact that God was relegating Torah to Israel through Moshe, God was relegating the controls of Torah to Israel. And we know that certainly in Moshe's own lifetime, there are questions that come to Moshe that he can seek directly from God. But once we close this book of the Torah, no later prophet is going to ever initiate a new mitzvah. The 613 mitzvahs, that is set. The Torah is set. And any later determinations of Torah, any further analysis, any enactments, any decrees, any deductions, any inferences, are this, that's the function of the sages of Israel through the study of Torah, through the interpretation of Torah, and with their wisdom, they come to the determination of the truth of Torah. And God reacts to the determination of that court. And we know, for example, when it comes to the declaration of the new moon of Rosh Chodesh, which is going to indicate when various holidays will be, which indicates when God is providing his spiritual emanations that are tied to that holiday, that's going to be a function of the court, not a function of the heavens. And the determinations of the truths of how God operates in this world as per Torah, or as defined by the courts of Israel. Torah will become lo no longer controlled in the heavens, but rather down here by man. The angels were concerned about that. We op- were, let's say, the software that God uses to operate the world, and we're in God's hands, but now we're ultimately in the hands of those who really are the masters of Torah, and that's going to become us. Rabbi Elakan quotes a stunning statement from the um, Yavitz, or Yaakov Emden Ben Svi, great 18th century sage. A lot of the Javises out there are descendants of the Yavitz, Rabbi Yaakov Emden Ben Svi. And he points to a, a discussion in Talmud that gives us a sense of how far this goes. The Talmud and Sanhedrin is a Mishnah that's often quoted, or the beginning of the Mishnah is often quoted, because the beginning is so, so upbeat and so inspiring, and so empowering. The rest of the Mishnah is not quite as happy 
and not quoted as often. The Mishnah describes Kol Yisrael Yeshlam Haba. All of Israel can anticipate a portion in the world to come. Beautiful. All of Israel actually have a portion in the world to come, even greater. But the Mishnah does continue. All of Israel have a share in the world to come except for the following. And then it enumerates several kings who lost their share in the world to come, several commoners who lost their share in the world to come, and several categories of those whose challenges to proper Jewish faith have them, unfortunately, lose their share in the world to come. Regarding that Mishnah, when it enlisted several kings not having their share in the world to come, the Talmud was deliberating about one more king. One more king whose life has elements that are rather mysterious. One more king who ultimately the ruling is that not only was he righteous and his, his wisdom of incredible um, importance for us, but that the books that he wrote are canonized as part of the Torah. That was the King Solomon, Shlomo HaMelech. But there were elements about Shlomo HaMelech where the Talmud was debating, is it possible that in, uh, part of his life triggered an outcome that he would lose his share in the world to come? Ends up very much not the case, but that's being considered. And it describes there a major uproar in the heavens about this possibility of the sages writing Solomon out of the world to come. But the question is, ultimately, in the heavens, why would they care? Okay, the rabbis claim Solomon has no share in the world to come. But in heaven, we know otherwise. When he's up here in heaven, we'll open the door for him, we'll go have the world to come, all the bliss that can remain. What's the concern? But says the Avitz, because ultimately, if the rabbis would have indicated he has no share in the world to come, they would in fact be writing him out of his share in the world to come, because they control that reality. This was what was concerning the angels. Is Torah to be given over to mere mortals, lowly beings, that then they're going to control the spiritual realities of the world and control us? Ultimately, the answer is absolutely yes. Because the greatness, when God tells Moshe, grab onto my throne, show them that you, even though you're flesh and blood, can aspire to the heavens and can grab onto my throne and can be the loftiest spot of the heavens. You can catapult yourself to greatness because of the fact that you're created as flesh and blood and you're striving for great heights. You're greater than someone who simply is created at a very lofty plateau and you're shooting to a higher plane. Adam, because of the dam, the flesh and blood, and the aleph, that connectivity with the divine, with God, that oneness, Adam, when Adam acts as a proper Adam, elevates himself, catapults himself to an even greater point than any angel could ever aspire to. Torah is in fact given in the hands of that Adam. Torah is in fact in our hands. When we immerse ourselves in Torah study, when we delve into it and perceive the truths, not only are we gaining great wisdom, but we are in fact boosting ourselves, connecting ourselves with the divine, with the very lofty, very elevated, doing that which God is most proud of, and has the angels kind of have to stand on the outside of that and become tools for those who are now the ultimate determinators of the truths of Torah and manifestations of God's dissemination of, of his, 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 all of his emanations that are a result of that and in their control. 
taking the lesson to heart, appreciating how significant we ultimately are. And through our human meekness, our human weakness, that aspire that capacity for that greatness. Because of the fact that we can fall, we can rise. Commentaries explain, Sheva the righteous one falls seven times and he rises up. It's not despite the fact that there's some falling, one can rise up. It's because we can fall that we can rise up. And when we do rise up, we can rise to great, great heights. Taking this message to heart, appreciating that we have that capacity for that greatness. We're part of this process of the Torah study, part of this process of that connectivity with the divine that comes from that study and the, the interaction with that divine, the control of that which emanates from the divine, can hopefully inspire us to aspire to that greatness, to plug away at that Torah study, make it more and more part of ourselves, transform ourselves in the process, and become the type of people who will be far more likely to achieve our tactless.